0: Have you ever said no to a preschooler and then been met with an epic meltdown? Because I know I sure have. This is the second episode in our Behavior Bites series where we bite into behaviors that challenge us one episode at a time. Today, we're joined again by Dr. Carolyn Bob-Green, founder of Training You to Succeed. She's going to be sharing all her secrets to saying no to preschoolers without the meltdowns. If you haven't already watched episode one, you can go back and catch up at any time. And if you're not already subscribed to Elevating Early Childhood, do it now so you'll never miss another episode again. Ready? Let's dive in. You're listening to Elevating Early Childhood, where we believe in leveling the playing field and bridging the gap between the world of preschool, pre-K, and K-12 education. I'm your host, Vanessa Levin, and I went from a pre-K teacher of 20 years to a passionate advocate for high quality early childhood education. I truly believe that the work you do, yes, you as an early childhood professional, is absolutely crucial, not just for your students, but society as a whole. I believe that you deserve to have the tools and training that you need to do your job well so you can really embody your role as a professional educator and your students can achieve their true potential. Listen in each week as I bring you real conversations with me and other early childhood teachers and experts where our mission is to guide you on your journey to becoming the most well-equipped and highly trained professional educator you can possibly be. All while helping you teach smarter, not harder, so you can live more. And there might even be a little humor thrown in here and there just to keep things light and fun. If you'd like to get started upping your early literacy game today, check out my book, Teach Smarter Literacy Strategies for Early Childhood Teachers on Amazon. So, Carolyn, welcome back to our Behavior Bites series. Hello, hello. We are so excited. That you are here with us again. I can't wait to talk about this topic with you. And this is something I think that all early childhood professionals and even parents are gonna to want to listen to because it's something we've all experienced. How do we say no to preschoolers without meltdowns? I feel like we need a da-da-da-da to there. get. <laughs> there we go. Yes, because. This is so difficult. They don't like to hear the word no, but sometimes it has to be said. So why do they have a meltdown when we say no to them? Let's just start right there. Why is that?
1: Because they can't have what they really want and no one has taught them how to deal with that emotion of rejection. So if no one has told you how to deal with it, You deal with it the best way that you know how and what has gotten you the attention in the past. And we know when we tell a kid no and they start kicking and screaming and we start watching everybody's reaction and we don't want to be that teacher or that parent with that hollering kid. We end up giving them what they want. So we have told that child it's okay for you to behave that way and if i tell you no and you behave that way i'll give you what you want instead of us teaching them how they should react to no and not replying or responding when they throw those tantrums so we've said it's okay no no i don't want that and it's ah! and we're like oh no 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 no. stop 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 (laughs) and give them exactly what they what they are what they're asking
0: for it's so hard though because Even if we are a trained professional, right, and I'm a trained professional, you're a trained professional, even if we know that saying the word no can trigger them, it's still the first thing that always comes out of our mouth. It's really hard to not say it, especially when they're doing something that's just like, wow, really Mm -hmm. horrible, right? (laughs) And, And then
1: this is the funny thing. Usually with a toddler or a preschooler, one of their first words is no, and you have to ask yourself, why is that one of the first words that they say? Because that is what they hear. We're constantly like, no, don't do that. Stop. No, no, no. You know, I, my nephew was trying to get on the treadmill the other day and his mom was like, no, no, no. And I'm like, but that's going to make him say no. And he's going to tell you no, and then you're already teaching him that negative connotation of no, instead of telling him what he can do. So you can say no without saying no. And that is the art of early childhood, yeah. because that no, that word exactly. triggers people Imagine you as an adult, somebody telling you no, you can't do something. You start to feel a certain way in the inside, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) No, you can't. No, you
0: can't have that. Exactly. That's very true. We don't we don't like to hear the word no either. And it's it's interesting because sometimes kids can hear the word no, but or you can say the word no rather and they hear maybe (laughs) Not right now. yes (laughs) yes i think that's what they think sometimes is they when they hear the word no they think there's a chance and if there's even a remote chance they can get what they want they're gonna keep going down that road that meltdown road because they're like yeah she says no but she means maybe and so what what she really means is i need to throw this a tantrum (laughs) or a meltdown so that ultimately we can get to what i want and I and I'm using this scenario in my head. I um I live in an area, Caroline, where there's only one grocery store, just one, in the great distance. So everyone is there. It's always busy. And so whenever I go, there's always a child having a meltdown in the grocery store. It's just it's just a fact, because it's the only game in town, right? And um I was there the other day and I this child was wanting something in the grocery store that um she wasn't going to get or the mother didn't want her to have. And so she was going to ramp it up. And this child was like five years old. She was going to go there with a... Yes. And she was going to fall out, lay on the floor, because she wanted this thing. I don't even know what it was. And I said, let's see where this goes. You know, I'm not the kind of person that would intervene, because it's not my child, and I didn't want to be judgmental. But they ended up in the parking lot at the same time I was in the parking lot. And this child was just going and going and going. And she was ramping up closer. They got to the car. She was really going to give it her all because this was the grand finale. And when they finally got to the car, the mom turned to her and said, okay. And I was like, that is the exact outcome that she wanted. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, mom could have said that way back in the beginning, 20 minutes ago
1: as early professionals, children behave differently with us than they do with their parents. So yes. that's number one. So she probably wouldn't have taken yes. it that far with me or you because
0: it wasn't right. An far. Exactly.
1: And two, I tell adults, that child has only been on this earth for two years. I've been on this earth almost 40, 40 plus years. Okay. I am more stubborn and was, I have more resistance than anything. How do you let a two-year-old wear you down? All you have to do is just stand stern and smile and go. Are you telling me that a two-year-old controls you that much that you can you give up? I've been here. I have shoes older than you. Come on now, <laughs> you know. So we have to stand stern and what we what, the outcomes that we want for that child. Because what that mom, or uh, any early childhood professional or teacher, has when they give in to that we have validated that that is the behavior that is acceptable and even more so at the core and this is something that I try to teach teachers parents anyone that I come in contact with is that children behave the way that they either think is acceptable or, they fill, in, they fill in or they've seen something that have resulted in them getting what they want so they behave that way. We do not take enough time as professionals to teach children how to deal with their emotions. And I know that is because yeah. teachers are dealing with their emotions. Parents are dealing with their emotions. But if you don't teach your child how to respond to know if you don't show them, give them an example, teach them a lesson about if you feel this way, when someone tells you no, here's what you do. So it's just like a person right. honking. My mom never told me what to do when a person honks at me on the freeway. So I could have one, cut them off and get that, or I could do what I seen on TV, which is to give them the bird, right? Like do what people do or say bad words or have road rage. If my mom has set me down and says Carolyn you know there's gonna come a time when somebody's gonna cut you off on the hallway you're gonna get upset here's what I need you to do because it can lead to so many different things you can get into an accident that person can get upset it can lead to some type of violence I need for you to count to three and take a really deep breath and say you know what that person may be having a bad day so I need to just let it roll off my back Carolyn you're in control of your emotions, do not let that person control you. If we start being very strategic about that with our children from the time that their toddlers on up, teaching them how to respond to different types of things when they start showing us behaviors that's not acceptable, I guarantee you some of those tantrums would be cut out. And I've seen it happen in my classroom, I've seen it happen with my own children, and I've seen it happen with my teachers. And so we don't take the time to define no, what no means, we don't help them understand that it's okay to be angry it's okay to be upset and still wanted but here is the reaction or the behavior that you need to display and here's what you can't display whenever you're upset if we did more of that it'll help out so much
0: ever find yourself dreading the school bell no not the one in the morning i'm talking about the afternoon you know the bell that lets you know your littles are gone for the day and you can get back to that mountain of planning and prep work on your desk after that staff meeting, of course. Some things are just unavoidable for early ed teachers, just like those pesky staff meetings, but being overworked and overwhelmed doesn't have to be part of the job. Not if you've got the right combination of knowledge, curriculum, and support. That's where the Teaching Trailblazers program comes in. It's the program for pre-K teachers who want to bring their A-game to their students and still have a life. Go to teachingtrailblazers.com to apply today. So if we do say no to a preschooler, um, regardless of, you know, whether they're three, four or five years old, two, three, four or five, how would we say no so that they didn't have a meltdown? Because I feel like a lot of teachers feel like, well, I can't say no to them because my director says I can't. You know, that's not a word that we use. I have to do it differently. And so I don't know what to say instead. And, you know, How do we, what do we do? How do we, how do we move forward?
1: A lot of times you don't say no because it is a very strong word. It it has a negative connotation, like like saying stop, don't, you know, kids just kind of get like stuck in the moment. So a lot of times here's what I explain to my child, my colleagues and anyone who works with young children. So explain to them, hey, you know, that is not a safe thing for you to do right now, but here's what you can do. So let's just say, they want to go and play in the um, sensory table, the water table. And that is already full. There's already two kids over there and they wanna go and they're trying to go over there. Instead of you saying, no, you can't do that. Go, Go find something else. Go to them and say, hey, there's two kids in the center. If there's three kids, it is going to get a little messy. But I know you enjoy that water play. So here's what you can do until the water play. And and Miss Carolyn, I'm going to have my timer right here. And as soon as it goes off, you're going to be able to go over there. But for right now... How about you try this activity? And if the kid goes, no, I don't want to try that activity. Okay. You don't want to try that. So show me something besides that that you can do until that's available. And then the more you encourage that and you tell them, hey, but if you are not going to work with me, how can I help you to get to that center? So let's work together and figure out what can be done. And a lot of times talking them down and distracting them and getting their mind off of that will help them to kind of better process the fact that they can't do that right now or that is not something that's an option right now but here is an option for you and if you don't want to take my option, come on let's find out together what option that we have. And that's that critical thinking skills um, that that children need to be able to have. That problem-solving skill. And a lot of times we take that away by telling them, no, go do this, instead of having that comf- that much needed conversation. Developing those communication skills, those critical thinking skills is so vital to building emotionally competent children. And that those tantrums come because they don't have that balance with their emotions because no one's taught them how to react to different
0: situations. Very, very powerful stuff. I think that one example in my own life I can use to kind of transfer that information is, um, my nephew was here last summer and we, uh, decided to do a lemonade stand, like a real one, right? Like there's, you can do a pretend one in your classroom and that's all fine and good. And it's kind of a controlled environment and the kids, you know, they're going to play together, but there's no like real money changing hands, right? So let's put real money into play and real customers and things get a lot stickier. And Vanessa was in a sticky situation because... (laughs) my nephew wanted to charge $12 a glass for lemonade. (laughs) He's, he's, he's five. So he didn't know, you know, but that's because he realized that, um, he, he wanted to, to buy something and he thought, okay, I, if, yeah, if I want to go, if I want to get this thing, I need money to buy it. And so I want to, to people to pay me $12 for glass of lemonade. And so I was like, no, you can't do that. And that was my mistake. Uh, I was like, we need to charge like, you know, a dollar or something, you know, something reasonable. Um, and it, it, it it was a battle. It was a battle of the wills and it was not pretty. And (laughs) there was a meltdown on both parties parts. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but, but thankfully my, um, yeah. And, and, you know, he's not my student. He's my nephew. So the, the relationship is different, but, but his, uh, his, his father is, is really good at handling it Cause he, he, he loves to like take, to go there when someone says no to him mm. and his father is very good though at avoiding the meltdowns because what his father did was say, well, <clears throat> you know, we could do $12, We could do a dollar. He's like, let's do some research and let's find out like, yeah. And so he made it into like this activity where, you know, we were talking about how many glasses we would need to sell at a dollar. And, you know, he just, he just broke it all down like into math because he's a math guy. And my nephew was like, okay, okay. All right. Distraction, distraction, distraction. And he turned it into another activity entirely. And then he was fine with it. You know, and so we're going to try it again this year and see how it goes now that he's six. (laughs) But anyway, that is a perfect
1: example, because the same thing happens in a classroom, whether it's your niece, your nephew, your child. It all has to be handled the same way so that as a community we can come together and solve this problem as a whole. So by you, by him doing that with your nephew, even though that was his son and that was your nephew, um, that's still giving him those tools that he needs to be able to control his emotions whenever he's told no. Kudos to dad
0: <laughs> and uh, Vanessa. Yeah, he- <laughs> So let's translate that into the classroom though. So let's say um, maybe the kids are playing at the pretend lemonade stand and everybody wants to be the one to slice the lemons because they are Velcroed. are those little Velcro ones that you you slice. That's very fun for some reason to slice the Velcroed lemons. (laughs) And let's say everyone wants to do that, but you really only have like four lemons that do that and you only have like three knives. And so you say to one of the children, you know, it's not your turn yet. So basically you're saying no. Oh, how do we channel that then?
1: Well, one, um, with you knowing that you only have those limited resources, you really have to set that environment, those restrictions up even before Um, They even get into the center. So that will kind of reduce some of the tantrums because you've set that environment. But let's just say Miss Vanessa wants to be the one to slice the lemons now. And Miss Carolyn is like, okay, Miss Vanessa, but I have Miss Crystal over here already slicing the lemons. And so what I can think. Miss Crystal, Miss Crystal, are you ready to allow um, Miss Vanessa to slice the lemons? And Crystal's like, well, no, Miss Carolyn, I'm not done. I'm not done. I still want to want to slice them. So I'm going to go to Miss Vanessa. I'm going to say Miss Vanessa. So what are some things that you can do to help until it's your turn to slice the lemons? And Miss Vanessa's like, "Mm -mm, I'm not having that. I want to slice those lemons like I said that I wanted to slice a few minutes ago. And so then she starts to get agitated. So then as a teacher, what I do is I give her some options and ask her what she feels and what she thinks about what we can do until the timer goes off and Miss Crystal is done slicing those lemons, And by then, the kid is distracted. They're like, well, you know what, I can wipe down, you can wipe down, you can fold, you can go wash the knives out in the sink and pretend to wash them out so that they can be ready for when you get ready to slice lemons. And so you have this conversation to kind of deter their mind from having that tantrum, and to start finding solutions to get them ready for waiting until their time because I'm not really telling you no. I'm telling you not right now at this time and it's not a definite. So there are some situations where no is no and you have to explain why and how you got there and have them reason with you to find something to replace um what they really want.
0: Yeah, so you kind of channeled my disappointment into what can we what else could you do instead until it's time. Um, I like that. One of the things I used to do was put a sign-up sheet. Like maybe if I found that the lemons, this would be for Mm -hmm. older children who were pre-K-4, right? Or older. But if the lemons were the hot ticket in town, which they have been in my experience, (laughs) those Velcro, those stinking Velcro lemons. (laughs) Well, I guess it's just really fun to pretend to chop something in half and then it really does come in half. But anyway, is to put a little sign-up sheet there and say, okay, everyone seems to want the lemons. So let's put this little sign-up sheet You put your name and then when you come to have a turn, you get to cross your name off the list and you can visually track and see who's next. And also, you know, just the act of writing their name is kind of a distraction, right? <laughs> from the thing that has worked for me in pre-K four. And, and then toddlers, four, the same so. thing.
1: I used to have a turn can and I had a can that had all the kids name in it. And then I had turn. If you wanted a turn, you would take your popsicle stick and put it in the turn can. And then I would go over and pull names from that uh, turn can. And then you had a turn. So even for kids who can't write their names yet, but can recognize their name, or if they have a popsicle stick with their picture on it and their name on it, You can still do this with younger kids as well until it's their time.
0: Uh, When I was in Head Start, we had clothespins for each child with their name on it and a little sticker to represent their. And they would put their clothespin on this little, this is all DIY stuff back before the internet started, but they would, I would have little pieces of Mm -hmm. cardstock or uh, post poster board with little dots like sticker pins. dots on it and they would put the clothespins <laughs> on that was that works really yes. well for many many years works. for me it still works i tell my teachers
1: that it still works kids you know they don't know that you know things have advanced like that but i still am a clothespin and popsicle stick girl and it works
0: <laughs> it does and the, the physical act of putting their clothespin on the dot I think is a really good visual to help remind them like, okay, there's only three dots Available here, left Yes. And let's put your clothes pin on one. Now there's two dots left. Okay. Now the fourth person comes over and says, I want to slice lemons. You can say, well, we only have 15 minutes left in center time. And, you know, so there's two other people here and, you know, it, it, it's just, it's a great way to like problem solve a little bit with your kids, you know? Yes, um, very much so. so. And that's,
1: that's, and nowadays in the classroom there's so many different options as opposed to saying um, no in there Um, I have right now in our after-school room where we have set up and these are older these are like six and seven year olds five and six year olds um, they have a waiting room so if they can't find a center that they want to go to they have a little waiting area that they go and it has books and it has like note journals and clipboards Um, one of the classrooms call it a relaxation island and let's just say that kid really wanted to get those limits and they want you to know that they're next they will go into the waiting room and get a clipboard and i would always tell them if you choose to go into the waiting room and and do a quiet activity it will give you first picks to do the activity but if you choose to throw yourself down and cry it's going to make you have to go second or last because we have to wait for you to finish your um, meltdown and they would be upset and i'm like and i would tell them this and this is something that we have to make sure you're upset you're mad you really wanted this you may even feel sad inside and it is okay to cry it is okay to cry in the waiting room it is okay to say that i really want that but what is not okay is to kick and scream and hurt and break things because you feel that way and so i've given them permission you have permission to be upset but you have to be upset you can't be upset like this. You can't look like this when you're upset. But you can go in the waiting room and you can cry. You can journal. You can draw a picture. You can even pretend to make a phone call and talk to whoever you want to on the play phone and tell them how upset you were. But what you cannot do and what is not acceptable is doing this. But here are a list of things that are acceptable. And every time that child always chose to do something that's going to get them closer to in those lemons, you know? So, but you have to explain that. You have to tell them that.
0: I like the idea of um, letting them know what they can do. So there's so many tools out there these days. It didn't exist back in the day, right? Like the pinwheel. I love the pinwheel. So if you're feeling angry and sad and upset and you're breathing really hard like this, let's try and blow pinwheel. this pinwheel. This This is an option, right? These are some options. These are tools, That can help children channel that upset, the behaviors they would usually exhibit during a meltdown. If you feel like you need to hit something or squeeze something really hard, here's what we have for you. Like these are things you're welcome to squeeze, these, you're welcome to punch this pillow, or you're welcome to blow on this pinwheel. There's so many options. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't overwhelm them with them, but I mean, there's things things. that you can use in your class. Yes, that can be
1: put into your waiting room or your relaxation island, um, as opposed to telling them, no, you can't do this. And then just letting them fall out and walk over them and don't address the behavior. Those tools are very important to have in whatever area of the room that you feel is needed for that child to get away and express those emotions.
0: And I think the dollar store is the best place to find I still use stuff, a squishy right? ball to
1: this day. I have one in the car. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Ah. They have these little stress balls at Dollar Tree, or they, they used to, they have little faces on them. I'm like, well, thank you. That's exactly what I need for my, um, you know, my Zen den or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I have those, you know, I've collected little things here and there that, You know, you can use a pinwheel. Oh, my gosh, those are so cheap. They have them in the spring at the grocery store for a dollar, you know, and I I stock up on them just in case they destroy them. They're super cheap, you know, so things like that. This is what you can do if you're breathing really heavily, if you're, you know, if you're crying and you're sad, Mm -hmm. here's, you know, all kinds of things that they can do instead. Um, And of course, there's some kids that none of that is going to appeal to them and they would rather just be on the floor in that And those are, right. Yeah. I mean, there's some kids that aren't going to be placated by any of that. Um, but it is like you said, okay to show emotion. And these are the emotions that they're having, but it's not okay to, you know, hurt someone or throw a chair. Um, that's what I hear from teachers a lot in so-and-so threw a chair at me. I've had chairs thrown at me as well, you know, and I think it's always important to, to, Yeah. To take a deep breath and also think about, you know, maybe there's other things going on that this really isn't about the lemons. Like it could be, <laughs> it could be about some much, much, much greater issue than that. Um, so, and also don't, not to take it personally. That's what I always-
1: Sometimes it's teachers. not about They're... us. It's really not. Um, and sometimes that child doesn't even know what it's about. They just have this feeling, you know, they could be going through things at home. Something could have happened on their way to school. I tell this infamous story all the time about me wanting to wear a red dress to school, but my mom dressed me in blue. And when I went to school, I act, oh my God, I was- And it was nothing that that teacher could do or say that was going to take me off that because all I wanted to do was wear that red dress to school. And it took, you know, someone actually sitting down with me later, much later on after this behavior continued to happen um, over time. And I was deemed a problem child or a challenging child. And back then they had another word for us and it wasn't challenging. And so it wasn't until someone sat down and taught me how to process my feelings and how to express that differently that I realized that um, I got along a lot better in life um, by expressing how I feel in a different manner compared to what I was doing before. And that totally shifted how I behaved the rest of the time I was in school. And if Someone had sat down with me that first time and found out that it was all because I wanted to wear a red dress. It had nothing to do with not wanting to follow directions or being challenging. It was just, I was disappointed and upset. And so because I was mad, I wanted to make everybody have a miserable day like my day. And if we got down on a child's level and really talked to them to find out what the core of the problem was a little more often, then a lot of times these behaviors could be eliminated in our classroom.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can certainly think of many instances in my career when it was nothing about (laughs) a child wanting to ruin my day or make me miserable or you know, it wasn't about that. I mean, it's many other things. I mean, there's so many different things. It could be, it could be tired. They could be hungry. There's so many different things that could be going on that we just don't know because we're not with them 24 seven. And even if, even if you are, that doesn't mean, you know, the exact Mm -hmm. reason I'm sure the mom in the parking lot at the grocery store had no idea why her child was doing this, you know, and, and there was probably a reason, you know, it could, it could have been anything for all we know. Maybe she had a bad day at school or anything. So, Carolyn, I think that we've got um, a lot of good information yes. here. Let's review a little bit. How can we say no to preschoolers without meltdowns? If we had to encapsulate everything that we said in this last episode for somebody, how would we do that so that it would just be a short, succinct, little brief thing?
1: Well, how you say no without the tantrums? Well, the first thing that we talked about and to kind of like bring it all together is making sure that we are giving options and taking the time to speak with the child and, and give them some critical thinking as to what they can and cannot do um, as opposed to just giving them a no and expecting them to deal with the situation and carry on. Right. The second part of that is teaching them how to accept and understand their emotions and feelings so that their behavior is not resulting in a tantrum, but they know that it's okay to cry in the Phillips set, but giving them tools to kind of like vent that anger and frustration out um so that it doesn't end up with in a tantrum.
0: I do like the way that you said that options, it's always good to have options for children and to channel. I like I like to use the word channel. I just feel like, you know, you're kind of guiding them right that's what we do as teachers we're guiding them towards what is appropriate and what they can do rather than what they what we tell them they can't do right yeah and there's so many ways to
1: say no without saying no you know and explaining to them what the no actually means and why behind it because it's like you said no but why did you say no like explain to me that doesn't make sense to me so we have to take time to do that
0: yeah and i think it's it's super important For the young children that we have in our, whether that's our Mm -hmm. own children or in the classroom um, in whatever situation we work in. But thank you so much, Carolyn, for having another episode, a fantastic episode of behavior bites with us here (laughs) in elevating early childhood. Remind us in case we have new viewers or listeners, because we do have new viewers and listeners every week, tell us where we can continue the conversation with you. If, um, somebody listening out there is like, I like what that Carolyn has to say. I need to ask her a question. <laughs> All right. My name
1: is Carolyn Bob Green, and I am the owner of Training You to Succeed. And you can find me on Instagram at training, the letter U to succeed, on Facebook and on YouTube. Every week on um, Facebook, we do something called Hot Topics that are free to teachers. And if you want certification, we have a step that you can also g- gain um. CEUs and clock hours, as well, for those topics. And every year, we have an annual in person conference and virtual conference. All that information can be found um, at trainingyoutosucceed.net or on our Instagram page at training to succeed. And the link is in the bio.
0: Yes. And we will have a link to, um, training you to succeed in the show notes below the video as well. So thank you everyone out there listening and watching. Until next time, I'm Vanessa Levin and this is Carolyn Bob Green. If you love what you've learned in this episode, you've got to come check out the Teaching Trailblazers program. Teaching Trailblazers is the place for teachers like you to get the professional development, resources, and support you need to thrive. It's where you can learn relevant, life-changing best practices with professional development created specifically around the challenges early childhood teachers face. It's where you can get access to a complete research-based pre-K curriculum that you can use to supplement your existing curricula or use on its own to get 100% of your students kindergarten ready by the end of the year. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things early childhood with other teachers just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will rock your teacher world, I guarantee it. Come join us at teachingtrailblazers.com to get more information and apply. That's teachingtrailblazers.com. I can't wait to see you there.